The year is 2020. A wasteland and a field of ruin have destroyed our mana bases. There is but one solution, one way to save the metagame. Brave souls working for the benefit of us all. Welcome to the Astrolab. Welcome to another episode of the Astrolab, the podcast that everyone seems to want to ban these days, especially lately. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joe Dyer, and with me tonight, as always, is Mr. Scott Campbell. How you doing tonight, Scott? Hi, everybody. That's <laughs> I, I, about all I do for a Dr. Nick uh, impersonation, so I, I'm okay, Joe. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. It's been a busy week. Uh, just trying to get ready for some stuff this weekend, but it's, it's been all right. Okay. Cool, cool. I, has anything happened in Magic the Gathering the last week? Yeah, yeah. We had a ban and restriction announcement on Monday, so... We did. We are, are going to talk about that. So the announcement of the announcement was announced. Yes. So let us know that there was an announcement. Yeah, finally. So okay. we are going to talk about that. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about some old formats that people might be interested in, because... You know, say you want something a little bit different than what you are doing now with legacy or vintage or even modern. Honestly, yeah, you know, it's a nice uh, bit of bit of a nice departure from those formats to try something a little bit different. Uh, so, uh, other than that, uh, you know, like I said, beyond the BNR stuff, uh, not really much going on this weekend. This week, uh, I've been cutting out proxies this week. <laughs> Uh, cutting out proxies yeah uh so i I had to cut out some decks uh for this weekend uh this sunday i am going to be uh joining the legacy pit uh which is a uh, paper magic stream uh they normally do in-person streaming out of uh their head guy uh, travis parsley out of his basement uh but due to everything going on right now with the pandemic uh, they started doing these remote uh, player series. Uh, so I'm going to play some paper webcam uh, legacy with the guys in the legacy pit on Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern time, I believe. So I had to cut out some decks because I didn't have anything set up. Um, okay. So when you're saying you cut out some proxies, so these are from your 3D printer, right? No, no. I, I, I no? print them off on paper. Uh, and oh, I, I thought you were like a big, big baller and you, you did 3D printing. <laughs> I, I'm not nearly as good as that. I can, I can get stuff printed through like Printer Studio, but that would take like mail time to get here. And I didn't really have that time. Plus, I wanted to wait and see what was going to happen with the, the ban and restriction announcement before I decided what I was going to actually play. Uh, so I have, I have four decks that I printed out. And I basically what I do is I print out and I cut them out and then I sleeve them in front of like Draft Jaff or Basic Lands. Okay. And whatnot. So I, I have four decks that I printed out. Uh, I have uh, the uh, Turbo Garuda deck. Uh, so we're going to see that. That's going to be fun because I'm sure that that's, that's always a ton of fun. Uh, I have that. I have a Rug Delver slash Cavu Predator deck. Man, <laughs> a, a, a Delver deck? That's so unique. No one's uh, playing Delver decks. Well, like well no, no, oh, no, no, no. So this is like 
so it, it plays Delver, uh, but mm -hmm. instead of playing like all the normal like Rug Delver stuff, uh, you're jamming a couple copies of uh, Cabo Predator, and you're also playing like four main deck Invigorate. I and oh. Grove of the Burnwells because you know what Cavu Predator does, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. One, one pairs G, with Fiery Justice. One G for a two-two with Trample that whenever an opponent gains life, you put that money plus one plus one counters on it. And it's got so, Trample. Yeah, it has Trample. Yeah. So when you uh, cast Invigorate for free and let them gain four life, <laughs> to cast Invigorate. Oh my thing god! Becomes a, it's gonna be so good. Thing becomes a six-six, but then it also becomes a nine-nine because, or no, a ten-ten because of the plus four plus four from Invigorate. Uh, and then of course you're also playing like Grove of the Burnwells and like Dreadhorde Arcanist and all that kind of stuff. You're also playing Berserk, which is hilarious. <laughs> so you, there are some legitimate moments where you can go like Invigorate your Dreadhorde Arcanist, Invigorate your Dreadhorde Arcanist, uh, cast Berserk, and then attack with Dreadhorde <laughs> Arcanist, and then flashback Berserk. <laughs> oh my god! It gets really gross. So that that's sick. So I've got that. I've got a uh, vile uh, elementals deck that is oh, using uh, Kahira as the companion. Uh, okay. So Kahira, the orphan guard, the uh, the elemental, the creature lord, one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm using that, uh, which was a big challenge in deck building. Because a lot of the, the Vile Elemental decks that uh, I've played around with, uh, you need to have, uh, usually need to have a Phantasmal Image in the deck, and you can't mm. play Phantasmal Image because it's a shapeshifter. Right. And so not having Phantasmal Image is kind of weird, but I do get to play some cool cards like Lightning Skeletal uh, and like Fulminator Mage. Uh, and, and that's pretty cool. So, and I'm also playing to, to shore up the whole not having certain things uh i'm playing for once upon a time to kind of help with uh consistency issues nice so so far it's actually doing really good uh i actually had a game the other day yesterday or so uh where i was playing against painter and uh, i killed them uh with an active ensnaring bridge in game one without having actually being able to swing through their ensnaring bridge because they had no cards in hand <laughs> Huh. Uh, so, uh, they were at, uh, 16 life, 16 life. Yeah. And I, uh, cast an mm -hmm. Omnath Locus of the Royal for 14 elementals. And then I bolted them. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. So, uh, player removal is the best removal I hear. <laughs> uh, and then, so I've got that. And then I've also got the memeiest pile on the planet. Uh, my good buddy Solnox has been playing this, that variance of this deck on moto to actually great success um so it's a yorion um nick fit deck uh but there it but is but the joke is uh because uh e nick fit is commonly referred to as the edh deck of legacy we are playing 100 <laughs> cards main deck, main deck. <laughs> so it's literally like if you took like the nick fit shell with the snow stuff so it's it's bug bug splash white uh, and you get to play all the snow stuff, but you also get to play all the Cabal Therapies and all the Veteran Explorers and all that stuff too. So, And Green Sun Zenith and whatnot. Uh, we are also playing Fiend Artisan from this new set, so it, that'll be interesting huh. to see if that comes up. But, so, uh, again, this is uh, episode four. 
We are going to yes. talk about the banned and restricted lists for the most part, but we are going to talk about the other stuff as well. So, and, and, and I I do have to correct you on something, huh. Joe. It's not it's not bug splash white. It is. Hold on, I actually got to find the correct oh, image now. Oh God! It is witch mall. Uh, I'm not going to call it that. That's what you're playing. I'm not, yes, I'm not going to call it that, Scott. The, Sorry. The the, the Nephilim names, Joe. <laughs> I'm not going to call it those that. mean things. Ruben Bressler got it's, it's on a, a suit jacket and did a deck tech on a witch mod deck that I lost to <laughs> at uh, a Columbus event back when Magic Corset 2013 was out. I got stopped. Can we, can we, call, can we call it a Traxa deck deck. deck. No, it, it was witch mod. It's not a Traxa deck. It was a witch mall because it's named after the Nephilim. The, these were the naming conventions back then. You should throw in a Trax in there for the memes. Dude, you should. <laughs> There's it, no Planeswalker. You, well, oh, no, there wait, are. There wait are. A minute, wait There's a minute. only two Planeswalkers you're, in the deck, though, so it doesn't really do any but, good, though. But Urion allows you to, to blink things yes. when it comes into play, right? Yes. So what you do is you have other another card that can blink Urion to get the blink, and then you have, like, uh, a plus one plus one counter enter the battlefield theme or something so that way when you blink stuff i, I don't so know So the thing i saw today on on twitter was uh jeff white who is a real who is a pokemoki on moto uh posted mm-hmm. a video of him uh playing with Yorion and animate dead <laughs> Whoa. and then so you just blink the animate dead and you sack orion Orion to the the uh trigger and then so next, when it comes back into play, you get back your Ryan. <laughs> you basically oh, just geez. do this every instant. <laughs> so this is this is absurd. Like you're just gonna that that's that's pretty. No, it's like that's just pretty dumb. And, and see that that's the innovation that I I want to see with new cards and mechanics, not must run cards. Yeah. And I, I really think that the the ban restricted uh, announcement did that. Cause I mean, I'll be honest ever since like all these cards hit, all I've been doing with magic is just logging onto arena, doing my dailies, logging off. Right. That that's it. It, it just, you know, so I I'm hoping with, and especially if your proxies are full color with what you're, uh, what you're going to be doing this weekend. Yeah. I'm hoping to see some of that content post these bands, especially in legacy. Right. Kind of, help guide the way back hey magic can be fun again we can do goofy stuff yeah we can do competitive things we can all be within the same sphere and and player area and then it's like then modern players like myself be like i, I want that please ban these <laughs> stupid cards so we can do goofy stuff like this too but yeah let, let's talk about the ban list and i know our listeners are really worried about the brawl form oh yeah so yeah. how about we touch that first so they banned winona judd Wait, I mean, Winoda, Joiner of Forces, I think it is. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't actually pay attention to any other cards like this. So, uh, but yeah. they also banned Draineth Magistrate, like I, I, we both assumed was gonna be the thing that they were gonna ban from last week. So I didn't even know, I didn't even know Winoda was even a problem in that format. So, well, I guess it combos because it says whenever, well, Winona Joiner of Forces is from Ikoria Lair Behemoth. Uh, two colors, a red and a white, so it's the same colors as Nahiri the Harbinger. Um, it's a legendary human warrior. Whenever a non-human creature you control attacks, so one of the various creatures from Ikoria or a token that 
most tokens are non-human you get to look at the top six cards of your library you may put a human creature card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and attacking oh by the way that thing also gets indestructible till in the turn and you just put the rest on the bottom in any random order and so a four four on top of that but i think really the reason why they banned it is because the art was by Megali. Her artwork <laughs> is so awesome that they're like, we, we can't have this level awesome in this crappy format called Brawl. So it, no, so no, no, yeah, no. it um, sounds like that. Yeah, they were really uh, having uh, a bad problem with that. So, but a the, little. Bit. But the formats we really want to talk about are, are not Brawl. Uh, they're Legacy and Vintage, and if our, our listeners are not familiar with what happened this past week. Uh, uh, last Monday, May 18th, uh, they made two changes to uh, two other formats. They made changes to Legacy, and they made changes to Vintage. Uh, the first of which we're going to touch on is Legacy. So in Legacy, uh, Larissa the Dream Den is banned, uh, and Zerta the Dawn Waker is banned. Uh, and one of the things that they talked about in the, the ban and restricted announcement was talking about how Luris was not very much a large deck building constraint to the format uh so i'm shocked yeah yeah the format basically necessitated uh gave several variants including delver uh a way to use this this card without having to really make that many changes to the deck uh, so what they basically said is uh, that collectively, Luris decks represent an increasingly large portion of the metagame, with several variants maintaining win rates above 55% in Magic Online League play. The matchup data indicates that metagame forces alone aren't sufficient to keep these decks in check, so we are choosing to ban Luris of the Dream Den in Legacy. So this is the ban we were expecting. We, re- mm-hmm. we knew that Luris was going to go. Uh, I didn't realize that the win rates were that good. Uh, but I knew that it was going to go eventually. It was just too overpowering in the format, too format warping. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's this is kind of what we, we expected to see. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they went, they go on to talk about Zerta, which is a card that I, I had kind of somewhat predicted that I would hope that they would have taken care of. Uh, and basically they said, we saw very high win rates among decks using Zerta as a companion combination with Grim Monolith. Uh, while not what yet widely played, and this is the key thing here, this data, they're saying this data said that not a lot of people were playing this deck. Right. But the data indicates that these decks, if Lurus only was banned, these decks would become problematic in both win rate and metagame share. And so they're going to take the additional step of banning Zerta the Dawn Waker. I think this is a great move. Uh, I do too. Yeah, the Zerta decks were really, really explosive, very powerful. Uh, mm-hmm. There was definitely not a lot of people playing them uh, because people were stuck on wanting to cast Brainstorm and wanting to be, have Luris. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that people wanted to cast blue cards? <laughs> yeah. I, and I mean, Zerta, one of the decks that Zerta was best in was a blue deck. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, so, you know, the thing is, is like, this card was really absurd, and I'm kind of glad that they decided to take that step to say, look, we mm-hmm. recognize that this deck has some really absurd win rate, and we're just going to take the step now so that we don't have to revisit this card in a month. Right. Well. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they they could do another ban restricted announcement whenever they want. Like, they just got to pull that lever, get together. Yeah write an article 
and, and I and I feel like at some point, you know, you'll see some for Pioneer and Modern. Uh, yeah, because you know. I mean, th- yeah, to go back to uh, Loris, like some of the information they talk about in their article about Loris and uh, how it doesn't really provide deck building restrictions. Yeah, like a lot of the verbiage they used, you could apply that to Modern. Right. If you're seeing that in Legacy, the same thing's happening in Modern. I think why they were not seeing a lot of Zerta decks on Magic Online is because of all the clicking. Yeah. All the tapping and untapping. Like, uh, it's notorious for, at least back in Modern's quote-unquote heyday, that you didn't face a lot of Storm decks uh, online in Modern or even Legacy because of all the clicking you had to do to complete your combo. But you had to still be prepared for it when you played in paper. So there's some testing you couldn't get done. So I, I'm glad they did that for not only that reason, but like what you mentioned, that it would wind up taking over if Loris was the only thing that, that was banned. Yeah. So the other thing that kind of came up in regards to this is uh, a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people around the community expressed some concern that they did not mention the elephant in the room, and that is uh, they did not mention anything about banning or how they feel about the card Arkham's Astrolabe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's something that a lot of people were actually kind of upset about because they were concerned that now we are, we are done with Luris the meta. Luris the meta game is all gone, but we're going to go back to this meta game that existed prior to Luris where the Snowco decks were much better where they mm-hmm. weren't that as good during the Luris metagame because Luris kind of outdrew them. Uh, and so these decks are going to come back. And so we're going to get the return of cards like Veil of Summer, Oko, Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath. These are all cards that are going to come back. And not only that, they also got a brand new toy in the form of Orion. Uh, so, yeah. so they have to, but they have to play 80 cards to do this. Uh, so the thing that I've, I, I kind of want to say about that is yes we're going to see people flocking to this Orion snow deck but at the same time you're going to see a lot more players flocking to combo decks on moto as well uh, mm-hmm. and the reason that is is because these Orion decks they're really really good against the fair decks really good against fair decks it's hard to outfare these these Orion snow decks because they just have so much cantrip de- uh, action and they can play a long game really really well they dirtle incredibly well how do you beat that? You go underneath them by playing stuff yeah. like Sneak and Show, uh, Black Red Reanimator, Dredge, uh, the Garuda Cannon deck, uh, which is also burn. burn. Uh, no, I would I wouldn't even, <laughs> I wouldn't say burn. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say on. I wouldn't say burn. Uh, but I would say just just if you can go under them with a yeah. fast combo. And the reason I say that is because a lot of the fast combo decks can fight through at least one or one to two pieces of counter magic. Uh, and then the rest of that is based on them needing to have sideboard cards to be able to combat the matchup. And if it's a really narrow matchup that requires really narrow sideboard cards, like a graveyard matchup or something like that, uh, those because they're on 80 cards, they're not going to find those cards quickly. And so it's going to be real awkward for them to be able to play these cards. So that's something that could come up. Uh, also was listening to a podcast uh, that said yeah, they were talking about maybe the possibility of post, like Eldrazi post, Golos post, that sort of thing coming mm. popping back up. 
uh, decks playing Field of the Dead. Uh, so uh, Simic Lands uh, is another deck wow. that could be really, really good in this metagame because Punishing Fire is pretty much dead again. Uh, we have... Hey. Um, you bite your tongue. <laughs> no, it's pretty much dead again. It was it was alive during the Valorous metagame. <sighs> <laughs> it was a live card during that time. Uh, I'll have to rip it from my cold. <laughs> deck but as far as like, if you're gonna play like a lands deck in this metagame, mm-hmm. you don't want to play. You don't want to play red. Uh, they, oh, they just don't want to. Uh, you don't even want to play red for gamble. Like, that's how, like, these Simic Lands decks, they don't even play red. They just play mm-hmm. four copies of Uro because that card's really good at what's the strategy that they're trying to accomplish. Uh, and then also, um, uh, they get to, they're not even playing, like, Dark Depths Thespian Stage anymore. Uh, you don't even do that. You just play Field of the Dead, and you just, every time they decide they have a way to wipe your board, you're like, I'm going to play two or three more lands with Exploration Effects. And make another board right. state. Well, speaking of all these cards you mentioned, there like uh, uh, one drops, like gamble and exploration. Like maybe chalice of the void decks. Yeah, could probably uh, creep back up again. Yeah, that's why. That's why I said like post. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a chalice deck. Stompy, um, Stomp- Eldrazi, Stompy, uh, the Titanic uh, Dryad deck, the uh, Primeval Titan Dryad Elysian Grove deck. Oh yeah, that's float around green, green, black Titan. That that is a deck that was reasonably popular uh, before mm-hmm. uh, Loris came around and was starting to gain in popularity, and then just kind of died off once Loris popped up. I expect people mm-hmm. to go back and try and play that again. Uh, so. And then we'll have to sideboard Boil. Oh <laughs> uh, man, uh, that deck is cool though. I will give that deck a lot of props. Like it's super cool to play. Uh, you do get a lot of really cool action with that deck. And mm-hmm. it is a lot of fun to cast Primeval Titan into Legacy. So that that's crazy. Well, you mentioned that you uh, with your elemental deck, you have Full Manor Mage, right? In your Legacy deck, and I'm thinking, but Astrolabe uh, and people don't play Dual Land. So like, how how's that going to work now? Yeah. Now now that we're back to an Astrolabe uh, meta, I might make some changes to that, uh, and it might Fulminator might go. I think that Fulminator is still probably good for the mm-hmm. decks that where people are playing cards like, uh, if anybody's playing cards like Dark Depths, because uh, Turbo Depths can be a reasonable deck again, too. Yeah. So if somebody's playing Turbo Depths, like Fulminator is pretty good against that. Oh, Being yeah. able to just have an ability to blow up their land uh, if you need to. And then also um, with Kahira, uh, you can boost your Thunderkin Awakener. To where you can attack with Thunderkin Awakener and get back Fulminator Mage because it'll be mm-hmm. uh, a 2-3 and getting back based off of toughness. So What about uh what about Pillage? <laughs> uh I think that's a bit slow. Why why not, right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so you can blow up a land or an astrolabe. You, you got your choice. I, I think that uh attacking gets around Veil of Summer. Yeah, attacking the Astrolabe plan is really hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are well, like those decks can fetch around that where they can still do stuff with their colors. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's just really hard to, to play around to the astrolabe stopping the astrolabe plan. You might as well just try and attack their core plan by just going underneath what they're doing. Uh, so I don't I don't know. It's going to be an interesting rock paper scissors that we might see people stick on the. 
the Urian Snow deck for a bit until the combo decks kind of rise up and knock them back down. And then at that point, those decks might migrate back to 60 card and no companion. And then there, because those card, because those versions will obviously be better versus combo because they'll right. be able to actually find their sideboard cards and stuff in time. Right. They'll be more consistent. Right. So who knows? Uh, I don't think that Urian is a card that will eventually get banned. Uh, I think the cards that Urian supports are what makes mm-hmm. Urian busted. Uh, so things like Arkham's Astrolabe, Oko, and Uro, <laughs> again. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the cards that all make Urian kind of dumb and easy to play. And so I think if they were to actually ever ban Astrolabe, uh, that Urian gets a lot worse uh, in that regards. Uh, I, right, because there's one less thing to blank and all that right. stuff. Because I, I was looking over and the there's cost. There's cost also to their their fetching. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I mean that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. Again, wasteland becomes more relevant at that point. Yay! <laughs> well, death and taxes is still probably dead. Uh, come, really? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I think that you either have to really build it to account for plague engineer. Uh, which is oh yeah, yeah that's right yeah because people are good that, that was the thing like death and taxes and like those kinds of decks were really really good uh well the the um the Luris taxes deck was was really good because nobody was playing plague engineer because nobody could because they were all playing Luris. Mm-hmm. so now that nobody has to play nobody that we can play three drops again well, plague engineer is going to come back in a big way too so and that card's really mm-hmm. absurd against dnt <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it it's it it is brutal. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. I think well, I think elves is probably still fine, uh, and that's just because elves is another combo deck where it can just kind of go under. It it is, and, but and you can five hundred five hundred dollar Gaius cradles. You can also beat yeah, uh, like a single plague engineer with yeah. that deck. Like all you have to do to beat a single plague engineer is resolve a natural order. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then natural order into like progenitus and then just progenitus them. Yeah. So they are never going to beat that ever. So. No, not at all. <laughs> so. And the decks, the decks that play uh, plague engineer more than likely have some type of spot removal. So playing something that has protection from everything uh, and possibly literally everything in the world, including pandemics, uh, <laughs> Can't playing touch something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even have to attack with it. Just, get it out and play and it's like oh we're done scoop so there, there's been a lot of uh concern that this metagame is not going to be fun uh again because uh, people were already expressing some disinterest with the format with during right uh between breach and the breach ba- uh, ban and between Akoria existing mm-hmm. so i hope that maybe at some point they will we will i the problem I, we ha- i have with this is that i think that we're, that we're gonna get a data eventually on astrolabe and whether or not it's actually super busted and not really mm-hmm. super busted but like format warping and whether or not those right. decks are dominant or not uh but it's gonna take more time because it's more of a subtle effect on the metagame and so i think i think it's gonna be some time no i just have to hope we just have to hope that corset 2021 doesn't introduce something that busts the format up again Right, because we, we touched on this uh, last week, I believe. And if not, you know, I'll definitely bring it up now. There's a problem that comes out, and before that problem could be uh, resolved or looked at, now there's a new problem. So now the new problem has to be addressed. 
oh crap, we, we haven't addressed that problem because now there's something else. So we went from Oko to Breach to now Loris. And yeah, they, they took care of Breach, which made sense. But before they could deal with Astrolabe and Oko and Vale Summer, Uro. here comes Loris. Yeah, and, and Uro and, and all that stuff. It's like, ugh, it, it's just, it's getting ridiculous. And there are a lot of people who have way more clout than this almost 45-year-old in the Midwest does <laughs> that are now speaking out way more eloquently than I do on places like Twitter and where whatever website they may write uh, about expressing their disinterest in the game. And yeah, hopefully they do do something because if it's all about the data, well, damn it, the data's there. Like, uh, so the if, problem with that is, if, is the data is there, but uh, it's not there. Uh, yeah. Like, so, because we keep having these these month interruptions and that's that's the really awkward part is we keep what? having these interruptions in the format where something really super busted appears and so yeah. we don't get a continual amount of data on how astrolabe really performs so i know why they're not going to ban astrolabe i know why right. they're not going to do it because it's because it's not, not played gonna... in delver uh, no, they're not going to ban it because it's our podcast. Oh, that's true. Okay, that's fair. So I think <laughs> but, but, that, I think really that wraps up. I mean, there's not much more to say about legacy, really. No, point. no, and and they and to, to carry that further, we were actually well, you were right about vintage. I mean, I just kind of deferred to you last week, and the fact they actually banned a card. A card. Yep. They did. They didn't restrict it. They banned it said get out it was not only was this banning so much of a precedent but then sheldon menry had to come out and state hey we just updated the commander phrasing or explanation yes instead of saying cards vintage legal vintage legal yep yeah because yeah, yeah. loris can be playing commander but is now no longer vintage legal like that's how much of an impact this banning had. So, so Joe, take it away. Give us the rundown on what they said about Loris being banned in Vintage. So, Loris of the Dream Den was also banned in Vintage. Uh, so, this is kind of a weird time for Vintage as a format. Um, the The format hasn't seen a ban of a card uh, in a long time. And by a long time, I mean the last card that they banned in Vintage was Shahrazad. And Shahrazad was obviously banned for very good reasons. Uh, the, you know, there's, there's this whole thing of being able to kill people with, uh, you know, forks and, you know, all that fun stuff with Shahrazad. But it's also just the fact that there's tons of, you know, it's so logistically problematic. Uh, so, and that's the biggest part of the problem is the card was just very logistically had a lot of logistical issues. You can't turn off, you know, and set over your side game and blah, 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 and all that fun stuff. But, uh, but I have an idea, though, for that before we continue. Oh, Can God. we unban that? No. Dear God, uh, no. Uh, Joe, if we do, if we make a sub game and then fork that sub, sub game, now we have enough space to our left and right to practice social distancing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's so true. That, that, no, that's a thought, no, right? Nobody Maybe wants to be around you when, that you're, when you're casting showers on. Right, uh, exactly. So, uh, but basically, so um, kind of going back further, uh, there have been cards that have been banned technically in vintage, but technically not mm -hmm. in vintage. 
So this is a weird uh, kind of a kind of a thing. Uh, in 1995 and 1996, uh, when the formats were known as Type 1 and Type 2, so 1993, 1994, uh, 1994 is when uh, Type 1 exists, and I think 95 is when Type 2 came into play. I'd have to actually look that up, so I'm not talking about Somewhere around there. Huh? It, it, it's close enough, I'll give it to yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'd have to look it up, so I'm not talking out my ass on this one. Uh, but... Basically, when the game came out, you know, there were no formats. 94, there were no formats. Vintage Type 1 and Type 2 were not introduced until 1995. So, originally in 95, yeah, it was 95, uh, around, yeah, yeah, November of 1995, uh, Channel was actually banned in uh, Vintage for power level reasons. Uh, for mm-hmm. chaos, chaos orb was also banned at the same time. So was falling star. Uh, but then the following uh, February of 1996, mind twist was actually banned uh, in the format as well. Now these were again, these were type one, type two. Uh, mm-hmm. Le- and legacy was type 1.5 at the time uh, in 1996. Uh, so those cards actually stayed banned in. Type 1, Type 2, Vintage, or whatnot, until uh, the year 2000? So, yeah, 2000. So, 2000, both Channel and Mind Twist were unbanned and immediately restricted. Uh, so, Channel has stayed restricted since then, and Mind Twist came off the restricted list in 2007, I want to say. Uh, yeah, uh, Mind Twist was unrestricted at some point in uh, the format. I want to say 2007 yes june 2007 it was when they fir- they unrestricted gush again in vintage <laughs> gush the card that's been restricted and unrestricted so many times it's not funny right. uh so there have been cards that have been banned so but the the obviously the concern is that they weren't banned in what we call traditional vintage what we call you know modern vintage uh, so this is this is kind of a precedent uh it's a big deal uh, this is a card that has been banned for a technically a power level reason. Uh, and basically what they said is that because of the nature of the wide card pool, powerful restricted cards, the deck building cost imposed by Lurus is less restrictive relative to the payoff of having Lurus as a companion. As a result, the win rates of several archetypes using Lurus have surpassed 55% Magic Online League play. And collectively, decks using Lurus are representing too large of a portion of the metagame with no indication to shift away from this trend. Therefore, Lurus of the Dream Den is banned in Vintage. They also go on to say that we recognize that it's a rare occurrence to ban a card for balance reasons in Vintage rather than restricting it, but this is a unique case where restricting Lurus wouldn't affect its usage as a companion, which is the primary motivation for making this change. Now, this is all they said about this. I feel like they could have said a mm-hmm. little bit more. Uh, there is, I mean, it is, it is pretty much the only reason to ban the card. Uh, that it, it, you basically have printed a card that is unable to be restricted for balance reasons uh, because it wouldn't do anything. So the only option at that point is to ban the card. Uh, but I wish they would have said something a little bit more about that uh, just because of this being such a weird, rare thing that happens. And uh, Yeah, like they, they could have banned it as Companion. And allowed people, and then restrict it to allow you to have your one copy. Yeah, I, and I think that that 
I keep I keep going back to that, and I feel like that that's not a thing that they would have, they will ever do simply because um, it's a little complex, and it's for mm-hmm. one format that generally sees play mostly on Magic Online. And yeah. So I don't think they'll ever do that just for vintage, uh, just because even even if all the vintage players stop playing on Magic Online, I don't think they would ever do that. Uh, it's just yeah, way, that, way easier true. just to ban the card. Uh, and then hope that the other ones don't kind of do the same thing, basically, is what it boils down to. Uh, well, I think the the only one really that has the potential to be a problem is probably Zerta, the, the Dawn Waker. Because yeah. uh, the same type of deck in Legacy obviously could be easily ported over to Modern. To, le- to uh, Vintage. Or not Modern, uh, Vintage. to Vintage. Yeah. And people have um, been talking about that. Uh, Vin- yeah. So Zerta is possibly one that is could be could be kind of broken. Uh, we, we just mm-hmm. never really saw anything about it because Luris was obviously the best thing to be doing. Oof. So you didn't want to play Zerta at all because Luris was just that much better uh, in the format. Wait. So it, 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 you we, mean we, that once there's a best of something that everything just drills down? Oh yeah, and it just doing that best thing and 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 magic oh, all yeah. over all the formats yeah no so uh the other sorry i couldn't i couldn't put more sarcasm <laughs> into that. the other one that has kind of come up as a small <clears throat> bit of uh, uh concern from some folks is as lutri uh the uh, spell chaser the otter mm-hmm. uh that is yep. that is banned in commander <laughs> uh, Make, making serum visions a vintage playable card yeah i think that i think that that one's kind of fine, but those decks are pretty good. So I don't know. We'll have to see this weekend when we get our first challenge results and see exactly really mm-hmm. what happens as people start trying to figure out what to do. Uh, but for the most part, like the meta games just kind of kind of like shift back to like when before Luris came out. Uh, so uh, we're gonna have uh, decks like Dredge and Hollowvine will get to come back again a little bit. Um, yeah, Hollowvine probably pretty okay. Uh, it's kept down quite a bit by the fact that everybody's playing Tabernacle, uh, so that kind of keeps it in check. Otherwise, if I don't, I think if Tabernacle didn't exist as a Magic card, uh, they'd have to print it to make Hollowvine not good because Hollowvine is that good, or they'd have to restrict something from Hollowvine, uh, which mm-hmm. I would assume would probably end up being either Hollow One uh, or Vengevine, which would be weird, but it would it could happen. So once they just they once they restrict Memnite, uh, no, no. That, that's the zero cost. The the card that's really the right. busted card there is Hollow One. I I, I know. Yeah. I'm just teasing. Mo- Mox Dirkwood Boars <laughs> is is kind of dumb. So I I will give uh, some vintage community members very good credit on the fact that Hollow One is kind of a dumb magic card. It's very powerful. Uh, oh yeah. You know when you can ignore your opponent's graveyard hate by just opening up on bazaar into two to three hollow one uh in in dredge of all decks you know then that there's a real that's 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 a card that's that's a really card that you want to look at and say maybe this long term is not fine for the format and maybe it should be restricted Turn one, eight power on the board between two creatures. It's it's, it's fine. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it is. And Hollowvine regularly puts in more than that. You know, they're putting in you know, oh, not just Hollowvines, sure. but you know, Vengevines and Basking Rualas and 
all this fun stuff. So uh, the other thing oh, yeah. that kind of gets to come back is workshops. Uh, I know that's contentious for mm-hmm. a lot of people, but traditional workshops gets to come back in some, some you know, capacity. The Golos Stacks variants get to come back in some capacity. Uh, PO ha- kind of has to go back to what it did before. And right. I think that actually is a good thing for PO because it makes a good case for PO not being restricted uh, event, uh, long-term. Because when people are not playing cards like Collector Roof and Null Rod, PO gets a, like, a lot better. And that mm-hmm. was basically kind of what was happening during uh, the whole Luris metagame is a lot of people weren't playing those cards at really large capacity because you didn't want to shut down your own mana advantage with your own Luris. So you don't want to play your Null Rod, you don't want to play you know, Collector Roof or whatnot, because why would I want to shut down my own Black Lotus with Luris? That seems stupid. Right. Uh, so uh, Pio and Breach kind of get to run with that quite a bit. Uh, kind of get to go off with that quite a bit. So with that being a thing, uh, cards getting to come back like Narset, Part of the Veils is a restricted card, uh, Collector Roof, Null Rod being seeing a lot more play, um, mm-hmm. Leovold, uh, Emissary of Trust, and like the Bug mid-range decks getting to come back is a really good thing. Uh, those cards keep PO in check uh, because honestly, when those cards exist in the format and they're playable and everything's going great, PO is actually the worst card in the deck. <laughs> like it's the worst card to cast in the deck. You don't want to ever cast a PO at that point because you're just not going to do anything. The possibility of you actually not drawing into another PO or you know just not doing anything with that that draw is really high actually. <laughs> So you just want to, you don't want to, to do that. So your best card in the deck at the point is Tinker, right? because you can go get Bolas' Citadel. Uh, so we get to see yeah. Bolas' Citadel come back. And that card's insane. Uh, oh. If you've resolved a Bolas' Citadel off of a Tinker, it's absurd. It's the, the, I've not done off Tinker, but I, I have played it on uh, Arena. It, it's the dumbest card in the planet. Deck. It's the dumbest and card in the It is... <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's pretty absurd. Yeah. in regards to what format. Oh yeah, I mean when you're casting, you know, you know zero drops and stuff off of it, uh, and then you're <laughs> then you cast like your Vamp Tutor to go get like Black Lotus or to go get, you cast like Vamp Tutor to go get like Yogmoth's Will to cast Yogmoth's yeah. Will, you know, to cast Black Lotus, you know, it, it it gets really dumb really quickly when you're doing these kinds of plays with, with Citadel. But Citadel is a pretty fair card, honestly. It's absurd, but it has a downside in the fact that it can be interacted with very easily. People are going to play cards like Force of Vigor. Uh, you right. know, Nullrod doesn't do so much to that, but it does do things to you needing the mana uh, to be able to uh, do stuff. Uh, to cast things uh, later on uh, if you don't just be are able to combo off and hit all the stuff you need to hit like a tendrils or hit like a monastery mentor plus time walk. Uh, right. So you'll see that divergence again in these PO decks too because a lot of the mm-hmm. deck PO decks that existed during the Loris area were strictly on tendrils. Uh, so you'll see this divergence again of people playing tendrils versus people playing just monastery mentors that are win condition. Uh, you'll see people playing uh, either splashing red for pyroblast uh, gonna see a lot more pyroblast again. Jeskai is gonna come back with pyroblast. Rug is gonna come back with pyroblast. Those are all really good magic cards uh, to to play <laughs> in a format that's defined by blue and whatnot. So uh, the format's gonna kind of go back to the way it was, uh, but we're gonna 
have cards like Zerda. We're going to have cards like Lutri. Uh, there are things that are going to exist there. Uh, and then at the end of this month, we're going to get Commander 2020 on Magic Online. Those cards will get oh. put into chests and whatnot. Okay, on... so that also so that's the only place. Will you be able to buy the decks on Magic no, Online? Or... No, they're going to put like the new oh. cards into treasure chests. Is what they've been doing with those those cards for some time now. So that also brings us uh, stuff like Ethereal Forager is a card that people have looked at as a card. Yeah, I was thinking about those, those free cards, the um, the ones that you can cast it for free. Yeah, if you have, I your think commander. those will be on there just because there's a lot more people playing Commander. Sure, but can you imagine if those cards said cast for free if you have your Commander or your companion? In oh dear play? God, no, that would be gross. Yeah. I would not, that would be that would be so dumb. Uh, that would be sick. I think the other card that but, I was looking at from that was a uh, Manascape Refractor, oh, uh, which is okay. the three CMC, uh, and it, it basically it gains all activated abilities of all lands in play. <laughs> oh, so it basically Holy is, you, and, it, and it costs workshop mana. So <laughs> you could just like, I have a, but it comes into play tapped. It does come into play tapped, so you can't use it immediately. Uh. But basically, okay. you make a you make a workshop that's also a Talarian Academy, that's also a wasteland, that's also a library of Alexandria, that's also <laughs> uh, a strip mine. Uh, yeah, also a strip mine, also um, a bazaar of Baghdad. Uh, oh my you God. know, it's it's all the, it's all lands in play, but it also counts your opponent's lands. So oh, no. uh, if your opponent like if you cast it off your workshop, it could be like a mirror breaker for shops decks. Where Jeez. you cast it, and your opponent has to, if they wasteland your, uh, your workshop, they have they play their workshop. You still have a workshop. Like yeah. it's basically it's kind of, that's the way I see it. I don't see it's going to be like good in any other like version of the deck other than as like maybe like a one or a, one of or so, where it's literally played for the shop's mirror. <laughs> well, so. Wait a minute! It could be a fetch land. Dear, yeah, it doesn't do anything though. Well, I guess it does. No, it does actually. Yeah, yeah it does actually. You can't actually crack it as a fetch land. I didn't even think about that. Wait, That's funny. Can, can it can it copy Snowlands? <laughs> no, uh, no. Well, it gets their their ability for um, tapping for mana. Yeah, yeah. but can, can you tap it add snow no, mana? No, because it's not a it's not a not a snow permanent type. Okay. Good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm tired of all the snow stuff. Yeah. So it, um, it does get the activated abilities of like basic lands and stuff that where you can tap them okay. for mana. But yeah, I think it's all a right. cool derpy card, honestly, and I think it'll be cool to try. Just That's interesting. Just for the uh, like I said, for the the shops mirrors, where it makes sense to have like, you know, you want to get ahead of your opponent with a waste with a, you know, workshop. Uh, well, yeah, now but... you have, you know, a workshop that they can't wasteland but you know what stinks about these cards that are only in commander precons all of it i don't know <laughs> you can't get you can't get them in foil i can't crack a pack no yeah you can't get it no. in foil so. so that 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 wounds me yeah deeply like i i want to can't foil out my commander deck because there are commander staples or commander precon cards that aren't foil like like i gotta stay hashtag on brand <laughs> but speak speaking of of other formats they they do mention a little bit about they're looking at modern and yes. other formats and da, da 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 but they 
that the formats change too quickly and they need more time. And it's all BS. Uh, they even mentioned they are looking at other things like maybe they could change how companions work. Because yep. if, you t- if you look at a companion card, the rules as far as where this card goes and how it can be played are there, but it doesn't state anything specific like this is your eighth card right. or you have to remove a card from your hand if you have this in, uh, revealed or whatever. Right. So there, that that's some of the chatter going on. But that's like at the end of this article. I kind of so hope if they you do that. want to gleam into that, you can look into that. Yeah, but, that would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't what, think they what will. Really stinks, yeah, but what really stinks though is in a, a set that has the keyword mutate, the only thing that's mutating is uh, are people's thoughts on companions and what formats they're legal in. Yeah, I mean, the the flagship, I did really, I mean, if you really think about it, the flagship mechanic of the set was an even companion. It's, right. it's mutate. And I think if companion didn't exist, we'd be talking about mutate cards instead. Right, and when you design a set and you hype up uh, mutate the way you do, and this other mechanic takes off and, and runs away with stuff, that that's a fail to me. Yeah. That, that's... Yeah an absolute failure and don't get me wrong if you look at the the video for and i may have mentioned this last week too or a couple weeks ago but uh the video for ikoria i kind of get what they're talking about with companion because here's vivian and she's got her right spectral tiger or whatever and that kind of looks like a companion just visually how they're describing it and they're trying to bring back that you are the planeswalker type feel and you have your companion and all I get it, right. but it's like, th- this is, I haven't seen this much overshadowing of a subject since I last watched the news. Right. So, <laughs> so but, but anywho. Let, let's move on a little bit. Uh, so we talked about. Yeah, yeah we, we spent like most of four episodes talking about Companion. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about something else. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that's kind of been going around lately is uh, people wanting to try and find something a little bit different. People are taking breaks from the constructed formats they're normally playing. Uh, Things Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, Legacy, Vintage, Modern, you know, Pioneer, Standard even, you know. And if you're looking for something a little bit different, uh, we're going to talk about uh, formats such as Old School uh, and formats such as Middle School. Uh, So uh, Old School is kind of an odd duck in this conversation because it can be expensive, but it also doesn't need to be expensive. Uh, most of the format uh, and most of the players in the format, especially nowadays with there not being a lot of uh, paper magic tournaments uh, capable of occurring, are generally playing over webcam, uh, playing paper uh, old school. Uh, and a lot of those guys just don't care about whether or not you have proxies or not. They just mm-hmm. they don't care. Uh, the old school community is some of the most laid back communities I've ever met. Uh, I've played paper old school and it's a blast to play with play with those people because they really are like the nicest dudes in existence and they really just want to play their cardboard with people. And so that's kind of like the, the format's kind of big drive. It's kind of all about nostalgia in a sense. Uh, and so it's pretty cool. Uh, if you're not familiar with old school at all, uh, I'm going to put the link in the show notes for the 9394 eternal central rules. Uh, mm-hmm. There are several different rule sets for, for uh, old school. Uh, the Swiss have their own, uh, the Swedish rules. 
uh, have their own rules for it. Uh, and there's a couple other different variants of it. Uh, most of the United States old school that occurs uh, in the states and whatnot uh, uses the Eternal Central rules, uh, which is maintained by eternalcentral.com. Uh, and that's basically uh, guys like Jason Jaco uh, and stuff who manage that format uh, and the rules of that format. Uh, so basically, the format consists of cards printed in 1993 to 1994, uh, and that covers Alpha up through Fallen Empires. Uh, and generally, the way they uh, they have a banned and restricted list, just like Vintage does. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, Scott, uh, I understand that you have uh, a proxy old school deck. Uh, I actually just got a proxy old school deck in the mail today from a good mutual friend of ours by the guy by the name of Warren Connell. Uh, who yep. is a big uh, vintage uh, old school guy. Uh, and uh, so, Scott, tell us a little bit about the deck that you got. Well, Warren is also responsible for me getting uh, legacy cards uh, signed by the artist. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I, I've spent a lot in older magic, <laughs> money-wise, in the last, like, four years or so. But uh, the deck that Warren gave me is pretty much the old school version of quote unquote the deck because with me being a dirty control player i want to play counterspell <laughs> wrath of god i want to disenchant your tapped moxin i want to strip mine your library of alexandria i want to react on your turn play a card go uh but you hit the i think the key word you mentioned in your little segment there was nostalgia me being a child of the 80s and not even getting introduced to magic till I was already 18 and graduated from high school. All right, I was a couple months shy of 18, but still. Right. Uh, nostalgia is pretty much the marketing gimmick used for a guy like me. Like, I have a closet full of Masterpiece Transformers from Takara Tomy. Um, It's not, like, full of them, but there's a bunch in there that I have yet to get out and play with and display and all that stuff right so a format like this that harkens back to my early adulthood where i'm playing a lot of these cards is going to be sweet even if it's just something that say myself and you would play in between rounds uh, while we're waiting for the next round of epic looter or even after the event or whatever and they're usually fast-paced games we'll, we'll play about six seven eight turns and the game's usually decided one way or another at that point. But we're seeing a lot of our the Abyss, a lot of these old cards. Um, Mind Twist. Yeah. Um, Mind Twist of, is something. These cards, yeah. Uh, Dark Ritual. Uh, we, we have to figure out how to use Fireball properly. <laughs> Just a lot of these type of cards that harken back to when Magic was still getting its footing and figuring stuff out. Do I wish I had the uh, finances to get a beta old school proper yeah, deck just and paper? Unlimited, oh, you know, pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of, of course. And, and especially if I can get all of them signed or whatever. Uh, obviously, there are some artists that have passed. Um, but, you know, just being able to, to flash back and tap back to that, even if it's a 100% proxy deck and they're very obvious proxies. Being it's a 100% proxy deck that I can just sit down and play with you or Adam or Warren or Matt or whoever. Um, wait, now I add up. that That's five of us. We almost have enough for 
a sanctioned, non-sanctioned, eight-player, quote-unquote, old-school tournament. Look at that. We right. just need three more people. Right. Or yeah. three uh, listeners. So, yeah, um. <laughs> so the, the deck that, that um, Scott's talking about uh, that's called, typically known as the deck, uh, that is a deck that was created by uh, Dirty Cheater, uh, Brian Weissman. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I said that out loud. He is a dirty cheater, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, sadly enough, uh, if you ever heard, heard, yeah. heard the meme about uh, multiple uh, COP red, uh, there's a reason for that. Yeah, there there was a lot of that back in, in the day, though. <laughs> a lot of yeah, but it still doesn't make what, make what he did recently good. Like this, no, last year no, again. not no, not at all. No. But it's just you know that was. That was the wild, wild west back then. Yeah. So basically, the deck is what Scott basically uh, alluded to: is it's a really, it's just a, a real big control deck. Uh, there are many different versions of it that exist, uh, and one of the the best versions, uh, the the win condition essentially of the deck is uh, basically just Sarah Angel, <laughs> mm-hmm. and getting to swing with a four four, you know, vigilance every turn. But your opponent doesn't have any resources because you're blowing up their stuff. You're you're counterspelling their their cards you're drawing cards with you know your restricted copy of like ancestral recall you've got library of alexandria that sort of thing so that is basically the deck that you play if you really just want to win an old school tournament (laughs) essentially or if you want to cast regrowth on an ancestral recall, it's just basically or, the the uh, alternative of uh, uh, ancestral snap ancestral. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. Li- literally just the same thing, so you don't get a two one body out of it. But, no, uh, no. The deck the deck is what you play at an old school event if you want to win the tournament. That's that's mm-hmm. it's literally going to be the best deck in the room, uh, because that's why it's called the deck. <laughs> So, but uh, if you are going to an old school event, you want to have fun, uh, you want to get creative, uh, there are tons, tons of cool, like, creative decks that you can play, uh, all sorts of neat stuff. Uh, I've played against decks that have played uh, cards like, what's the card that changes uh, text? There's a card that changes text in the format that changes uh like the te- like the land type text uh and uh oh, I can't there's a card that does it's like a blue card isn't it yeah it's a blue card yeah and it changes like land type text and uh basically they were using i played against a guy at star city con who used this card to make all my lands planes and then he casts like flash fires i want to say it was the one that is destroy all planes uh, and so it, it was just su- oh, yeah, yeah, super, yeah. super creative. And I was just like, oh, man, like, that's so cool. And he was playing, like, Merfolk as his, like, you know, beaters. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is too cool. Like, it's so much fun. Uh, the deck that Warren sent me was uh, Blue Black Red Workshops. Uh, so it's a, it's a workshops-based deck. Uh, but it also gets to play, like, uh, you know, Volks and Underground Seas. Because uh, you get to play like Time Twister, you get to play Ancestral Recall, uh, Copy Artifact, Demonic Tutor, uh, that sort of thing. But then you also get to play like Haymakers, like Triskelion and like Suchi and uh, Tetravis is another card that it gets to cast. Uh, Icy Manipulator to you know tap your opponent's cards uh, and stuff. Or um, in the case of uh, Winter Orb, to tap your Winter Orb on your opponent's end step so that you untap. 
<laughs> so good. Yeah. So Ugh. I really like uh, Mistress Workshop in the format a lot. So I was really happy that he sent mm-hmm. me this list because uh, I was I, I like it a lot. Um, the list I played at. Uh, if you're looking for something even more creative uh, in getting into this format, uh, the list I played at Star City Con was a also a workshop based deck. Uh, and instead of being more of an aggro deck, like this is kind of an aggro deck in a sense. Uh, so you're playing like big beaters like Suchi and you're playing, you know, Tetravis and Tetraskel and you're, you're, you're trying to get your opponent dead, uh, really quickly. Um, the deck I played at Star City Con is more of like a workshop prison deck. Uh, so basically it, it was a Bant control deck that played, um, cards like Winter Orb, uh, played, uh, Howling Mine. Uh, and you played uh, effects like Relic Barrier and Icy Manipulator to tap those those artifacts at the appropriate time. So you would tap your your Howling Mine at your end step so that your opponent couldn't get to draw uh, an additional card on their draw step. Because Howling Mine reads that it has to be untapped. Uh, you mm-hmm. tap your Winter Orb on their end step so that you can untap. That sort of thing. Uh, and then the deck would use the card Titanius Song which is a uh, enchantment, green enchantment that makes all non-creature artifacts lose all their abilities, and they become artifact creatures with power toughness equal to their CMC. <laughs> so you would spend the whole game just kind of like controlling the game, doing this stuff, doing that, drawing cards, drawing a lot of extra cards because of Howling Mine, uh, and then at some point in the game when you've got a firm control over everything and your opponent has no resources or they have no creatures or whatever... You just go uh, Titania Song. I have a bunch of four fours and a bunch of three threes and a bunch of two twos. Turn them sideways and kill you. <laughs> the the good old Alpha Strike. It is so cool. It is such a fun deck. Uh, so it, old school itself. Like, like I said, if you want to get into the format and you want to uh, play the format, is if you want to play without proxies and play in a, a sanctioned event, it can be expensive. Uh, mm. because uh, there are restrictions on things like reprints. Uh, you do have to follow, uh, usually have to follow some rules around uh, how reprints are worded. Look, so you can use some reprints if they were printed in any language with the original frame and original art. So uh, you don't have to have like an Arabian Nights City of Brass. If you want to play City of Brass, you can play Chronicle City of Brass. You can play... Um, if you have Wrath of God, you could play a fifth edition Wrath of God because it has the same border, has the same art, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They also do allow cards from collector's edition, uh, international edition, so those cards are legal uh, in the format because they have the original frame and art. You do have to watch your sleeves, though, because those cards have squared corners. It's usually and not an issue. On the s- yeah, true, but depending on the sleeve, yeah. if you shuffle your cards too much... You'll be able to see where those cards are, yeah. And then the cards have the normal corners. If you perfect fit uh, them, it's usually not an yeah. issue. Yeah, that that's true, and and you know just you got to be careful because you know Mark, regardless of format and what type of event, there are still penalties for Mark cards. If there's any event that there's a judge, regardless if it's this uh, a one-off old-school event that happens at like SCG Con. Or if it's your modern FNM. Yeah, the the CE stuff too. Uh, like I played with CE power at um, Star City Con last year, and it really wasn't that noticeable. But it, it was also like like I said, as long as you perfect fit them, uh, and um, 
I actually do really recommend like Perfect Fit Hards for the format because it's really nice. A lot of those cards oh, yeah. are really old, and uh, the hards really keep them nice and intact. Uh, mm -hmm. So using the especially. <laughs> If you would have seen the the uh, box jet that I was using, uh, you would have thought I was committing a hate crime against humanity because my buddy uh, Raja's um, box um, jet that I was borrowing uh, for the mm -hmm. event uh, for his his CE power, uh, it was it was messed up real bad on front. Oh, no. It was so bad. <laughs> so Eek. CE power is kind of contentious too because um, CE power now costs about the same as what unlimited power cost like three or four years That's ago crazy. and it's just because old school exists and a lot of people play it and yep. that's really what it boils down to I, I i do like it though because they're trying to keep that that flavor like the the reprint yeah that you mentioned the, the problem or... with that is, is that they they open themselves very heavily to speculators unfortunately in that regards uh, yeah so that kind of not a fan of mtg finance yeah so that uh, kind of hurt it a little bit when you were trying to like hey i want to play this format but all these cards have now spiked because speculators have gotten a hold of it and whatnot and they yeah. realize that these specific versions of these cards are what people want for the format so now they're going to buy up these cards we'll we'll we'll, we'll say that for a, a future Scott shakes fistic cloud, <laughs> yeah, uh, type of segment. So there's another format that uh, exists that I want to talk about too, and this format is actually a lot cheaper than old school, uh, and 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 you could play all collectors edition uh, borders in yes. this format. I've seen you a could, lot of decks also, that have like you can also play all gold border, uh, any any reprint. Yes, but technically, mm -hmm. uh, they have no. Um, no no thing about having to play uh the original aesthetic of the format they recommend it uh but they allow it on the basis that uh for the reason that what happened with old school uh and is what happened with old school is the speculators and the investors got into the, the game and on them those cards and so they said well with this format we're just going to say you can play anything we'll recommend you play you know the original printings and what the best looking versions of these cards are, but you can play the newer ones if you want to. And that way, mm -hmm. you know, speculators go, well, I can't really figure out what's good in this format enough to buy. So, uh, now there are a couple of cards that uh, are obvious, but those cards are already expensive. So, right. so, and that format is called Middle School. Now, there's, there is another format that exists that's kind of like Middle School, and that's called Pre-Modern. Uh, and it's kind of a similar kind of uh, setup. So middle school consists of everything that's been printed since 1995 to 2003, and that covers fourth edition all the way up to Scourge is the last set that it uh, includes. Uh, and then that also they also include all of the uh, special sets, uh, special releases, box sets, that sort of thing that were all uh, re released during that time. As Scott mentioned, the World Championship decks. Uh, yeah, the, those, those cards things. are all legal uh, in the format. Uh, the big uh, ones are like Portal, uh, Portal Three King, Portal Portal oh, yeah. Second Age, Portal Three Kingdoms are legal. Uh, the really the biggest one that out of the box sets uh, is uh, anthologies, uh, Battle Royale box set, and Beatdown box set. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. Anthologies is the big one because Anthologies gives us access to him to Turok. Uh, because at starting at fourth edition, uh, oh, you don't get, yeah, you don't you get fallen, the fallen empires. Oh, you fallen empires. So you can still play him to Turok in this uh, format, uh, just simply because of it. It was reprinted in Anthologies. Yeah, and there's no Veil of Summer in this format to counter your Hymn to Turok. No, no. Hymn to Turok is actually really interesting to cast in middle school, uh, simply because uh, the mana is so bad in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> so man, the mana, mana is really bad in middle school. It's like the worst mana bases. You have to really think about your mana bases uh, in the format because it's really bad. Uh, like, you just can't... It, because... You go up through Scourge, and of course, so one of the things you get in Onslaught Block are the Onslaught fetches. You get, Yay. you know, half of the fetch lands. Uh, however, uh, there are no dual lands in the format. Boo. So you can't actually fetch a dual land with uh, a fetch. You have to fetch a basic land. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's nothing, there's nothing you can fetch. So <laughs> it makes fetch lands kind of weird. Now, they're still good in certain decks. Uh, like um, Espertog, you want to play your fetch lands, you want to play your polluted deltas and, and your uh, flooded strands uh, just to be able to get your mana in the way you need it. But for the most part, yeah, the fetch lands are pretty bad. Uh, so it, it's a weird format, but the the basis of the format is that the, the mana is just really awful and the decks are all really interesting. Uh, so one of the big thing caveats of the format is like it's kind of like extended. Uh, I don't know. Did you ever play Extended at all, Scott? Uh, no, I actually... Uh, no, I was just into Standard. And then I thought about getting into Extended, but by the time that... Um, was it Scars of Mirrodin came out? I, I was thinking, there's going to be a format, or uh, there's going to be something to where Standard changes, or we're going to have something. I started to get the feeling that something was happening... Which led to modern. Uh, I, I even called that uh, Tarmogoyf uh, being reprinted at some point, like before the end of the RTR block, which I didn't know that that was going to be RTR at that point. Um, and then it happened to appear in the first Modern Masters uh, set. So I'm like, I, I was, I felt, to be honest, I felt more in touch with the game back then, just being a player and, and all the websites and stuff coming up, like Star City Games was hitting its peak or just past its peak by the time that uh, I had thought about Extended, but I'm like, eh. Uh, The other thing about Extended, just real briefly, it was, in a way, while it was a good format to look at cards and build decks and it rotated slower and so on, it was a format that people only played if there was a tournament coming up. If there was no tournament, they took all their cards, went back to the store, traded them all in. And so no one kept their cards unless you were like that guy who just bought magic cards and never sold them, never traded or whatever. And that that's just, that's bad. I mean, sure, the cards are moving and things like that, but you couldn't gauge like a proper supply-demand type thing with the cards. And yeah, it just... it. People only played it when they had to, and that's that's not fun, right? So, um, if you never played Extended at all, um, a lot of the the things about Extended was uh, decks that were like generally like kind of funny, cool combo decks. 
mm-hmm. there were a lot of really interesting combo decks in extended uh that were all like really super playable combo decks but they were also like two or three plus card combo decks <laughs> so like Pros bloom uh was a deck uh so prosperous bloom uh yeah yeah that was a that was a deck um there were card. There were decks uh, like uh, Pebbles. Uh, so one of the also the funding caveats of early Magic deck naming is that combo decks generally had names related to breakfast cereals, <laughs> uh, and that was kind of fun. Uh, so Pebbles is a combination that was played in that format at the time, uh, and that's basically the combination of uh, Enduring Renewal is one of the cards that's used in it and Goblin Bombardment. And oh, yeah. uh, then you use a, a zero-drop creature like Shield Sphere was typically the one that was used. Uh, and basically, Enduring Renewal is the, the, uh, the, the text on Enduring Renewal that actually matters to talk about is uh, there's a writer on the card that says whenever a creature dies, basically it goes back to your hand. Uh, so the reason they called it Pebbles was because you were plinking pebbles at your opponent's face uh, yep. by pinging them for one with Goblin Bombardment. And then Shield Sphere would die and go back to your hand, and then you recast it for zero, and then you throw Goblin Bombardment Barbar- back, back at your opponent's face again. And then when I'm at one life and they go to cast it again, I say Counterspell. Yeah. Just to prove a point. Wait, no, I, no, I, I don't do that. Yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of a cool, it was kind of a cool thing. Uh, there was also um, Tricks, is another one that was uh, mm-hmm. around at the time. Uh, that was the combination of donate and illusions of grandeur. So you would donate <laughs> illusions of grandeur to your opponent. They couldn't pay the cumulative upkeep eventually, and they would lose 20 life. Yeah. Essentially is the way the deck worked. Uh, there was a whole on version of pebbles that was referred to. Pebbles had several different uh, variants, and one of those decks was uh, called Cocoa Pebbles, uh, and that was uh, the version that ran uh, Necropodence. Uh, so that's cool that you can play There you that. go again, the, yeah, the yeah, Croppidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's kind of a cool thing that you could do. Uh, also, um, mm-hmm. there was also a version called Wheaties that all played the whole Fruity Pebbles package, but it also played uh, Recurring Nightmare and Survival of the Fittest. Oh, so. my goodness. <laughs> yes. It was all in one deck. Jeez, <laughs> and it was just—it was a, just a packed toolbox deck of just really good stuff cards with tied together yeah. with the fact that you had Academy Rector for your mm-hmm. stuff like Enduring uh, Enduring Renewal and um, Goblin Bombardment, but then you also had uh, stuff for Recurring Nightmare and Survival of the Fittest, like um, Tradewind Rider and those kinds of cards. Man of you're War. just smashing your you're smashing your action figures together. At that it, point. It's it's a cool cool yeah. Uh, and then there's also a deck uh, called a Full English Breakfast uh, that was the another Survival of the Fittest combo deck, uh, and that was the Volraf Shapeshifter combo deck. Uh, do you know, uh-huh. you know what Volraf Shapeshifter does? Uh, it's been a while. Uh, so, I'm, so I'm, I'm going to pull that up. It, it's a uh, it's a Shapeshifter card that basically says it's a copy of the top card top creature card in your graveyard. Uh, so the original kill with it was you would attack with Volraf Shapeshifter. You would uh, turn Volref shape. You would survival away a card, a, a um, card called a was it Flowstone Hellion? I think it was the name of the card. It was basically a card that had the ability of pay zero. This card, creature gets plus one minus one until end of turn. And what you would do is you would put oh, yeah. like I think eleven activations, eleven to twelve activations of that ability on the stack, 
and then you would um, cycle with Survival of the Fittest uh, Phyrexian Dreadnought uh, into the graveyard so that it becomes a copy of Phyrexian Dreadnought. And then you let all mm -hmm. those things resolve and it becomes like a 23-1 or something like that. And then they, yeah. and then they die. <laughs> uh, yeah, because with, with Volvrass Shapeshifter, especially back in this era when it was printed, the order of which the cards were in your graveyard mattered. Yes. Because it, it states, as long as the top card of your graveyard is a creature card, Volvrass Shapeshifter has the full text and all that. So it's, it's very important in this format that you pay attention to uh, rules is written, so to speak, and this is why a lot of these formats, like old school, middle school, uh, recommend, if not prefer, that you have the original version of the card because right. it's going by the rules off of that card at that time. Right. Now, the cool thing about um, the format is that the format is well curated. Uh, they mm -hmm. have uh, they have a ban list. Uh, and, where, where can I find that? Uh, I'm going to put the, the link to that uh, in the show notes uh, for this episode, but uh, the link on Eternal Central. So again, this is also another format that is uh, uh, managed by Eternal Central. Uh, and that's, mm -hmm. uh, again, uh, guys like Jason Jayco. Uh, I am also close friends uh, with uh, the guys who kind of develop the format. Uh, so guys like Eric Caffrey, uh, Jacob Hilty, uh, who are members of Team Sirius. Uh, so it's kind of a localized format to me in the first place because I got friends that I know that play it, uh, but it's caught on quite a bit. Uh, and so their fan list is really nice. Uh, they have a really uh, very, very good ban list. Uh, I like their ban list as compared to uh, pre-modern. Uh, pre-modern has a kind of a strange ban list. Uh, they have a lot more banned cards on the list uh, and the because they banned... Uh, Force of Will. Force of Will is actually banned in pre-modern. Uh, and because of that, they had to ban a whole other mess of a bunch of other cards because there's no Force of Will, essentially. Right. Um, so what they did with uh, the, the middle school ban list is that they banned cards like Brainstorm uh, is banned, uh, but they also banned cards like Dark Ritual. Uh, so you can't use Dark Ritual to like power out Necropotence because it is a format where Necropotence is legal. You can play this card in this format in a, in a completely unrestricted, unbanned sense, uh, which is kind of cool, <laughs> I will admit. But the commitment you have to make to playing that card is that you do have to play a lot of, like, kind of, you know, cards like you're either powering it on in turn two with, like, a ball ritual, or you're playing it on turn one with, like, a bunch of lotus petals. Uh, and that requires you to just line up all that stuff into your hand in order to do that. Uh, and that affects your deck construction. Uh, whereas Dark Ritual makes it so easy that you don't have to worry mm -hmm. about it. So I, it was a good thing for them to ban that card in this format. Um, stuff like the obvious stuff that you would expect, like uh, Memory Jar is banned, um, Mind Twist, Re Rebirth, uh, Strip Mine's banned, uh, Tinker's banned, uh, Telerian Academy's banned, uh, Yogmoth's Bargain, Yogmoth's Will are both banned, uh, those kind of things. I think that. I keep hearing hearsay and I've heard this hearsay for like two years now that I've known about the format that Tinker might come off the ban list at some point. Uh, mm. And it's simply because the Tinker targets in the format are actually really bad. Like, I think like the best one in the format ends up being uh, for either Phyrexian Colossus or Colossus of Sardia. Or, yeah. That was very limited right. uh, back then. Or um, 
Mishra's Helix, I think, like, also ends up being okay. Masticore, maybe. Mm. Like, there's a lot of cards yeah. that you forget about exist until you start looking at this format, though, and that's what's so cool about it. Uh, there are because of like all of these, uh, this length of this, the sets, uh, there's all sorts of neat decks that exist that didn't exist during those times. So mm -hmm. because of like extended only having so many sets in it at once or whatever. So you didn't get to play cards and extended with, um, onslaught block that you didn't get to play like Urza saga cards with those. Right. That sort of thing. So, uh, it's kind of like a weird amalgamation of those uh you also get to play some of the cooler cards with some of the older cooler cards uh so like cards like cabal therapy are really good in the format uh like i mentioned about him to uh him to playable but if you want to play it in a deck that's more than uh two colors it gets really dicey to have the appropriate mana uh on curve to play him to on curve mm -hmm. uh, i have a deck built um my the deck i have built is uh basically jund uh, in the format, so it's um, the Red Rock. Uh, and as we established, uh, talking about the Rock, the Rock and his millions, uh, the Rock is actually the Hermit Druid, or that not the Hermit mm -hmm. Druid, the uh, Drange Hermit, and the, the Squirrels are his millions. Uh, and the uh, Phyrexian Plagueord is the Undertaker. Yep. <laughs> so, And what, what's cool is that deck name even kept going. Right. So when we got to the point where we had Spiritmonger uh, as the main beater, the the rock was still a deck. Yeah. Just running Spiritmonger, and sometimes it would splash red or splash white, at least back in standard. Spiritmonger yeah, is really good too. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can play, you can play a Jun deck in this format. Oh yeah. Matter of fact, uh, you mentioned Jun, and I'm glad you did because as I'm looking at the cards that are banned and allowed there is a red card that you are allowed to play in this format and it's about time this card saw some justice and got some play what's that do you know what this card is joe lightning bolt <laughs> no it is one of the most controversial cards in all of magic's history oh dear god what it is nalothny dragon uh that the one is actually uh banned no, it says it's it's legal. Um, so does it? Unless it's not, this list is not updated. It's showing here the following cards that were uh, that were book promos from the era are also legal. Oh, Arenas, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, yeah, so, dragon. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. This card caused so much controversy because it was available as a promo and event. I want to say it was yeah. like in Atlanta or something. Yeah. So there was concerns not everybody was going to be able to get the promo. And I think it wound up in like an Inquest magazine or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, you can play so, that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so I, I'm not going to describe the card. Listeners, go look that up. Have a few laughs. Yeah, it's, but, it's pretty but funny. But that, that is what's cool about these old formats, like old school and middle school, is... Some of the newer cards that have come out, your Warm Coil Engines, your Blight Steel Colossus. Right. These cards that come out, they make, like, they're so powerful. And it's fine that they are with how long it's taken them to get from Triskelion and Masticore all the way up to where we are now. But you forget about the cards that came before it sometimes. Right. So when it comes down to, say, Tinker, for example, 
if the targets for Tinker in this format are not as great as they are in, say, Vintage, then, yeah, may, maybe it's time that they can take a look at that. And, you know, I, while I don't have the resources right now to get into a format like this, you know, if you do have a lot of cards from this era, yeah, dig in and, and maybe take a look at cards like you mentioned Manowar earlier. Um, you know, that's a card that's been reprinted even into the current era of printings of cards that and honestly, like gets a little at, love. If you look at like a lot of these cards and these original printings, a lot of them are actually really, really super cheap. Mm-hmm. Like really super cheap. Like about the most expensive thing is like if you ever want to play a deck that plays survival, uh, but then you can play. Uh, there is a gold bordered version of survival, and they're about ten bucks. Oh, neat! Uh, so instead of having to pen, spend you know ninety five something dollars on survivals, you can uh, on each on survivals. The last yeah. time I looked, that's how much they were. Uh, you can pick up gold border survivals for you know ten bucks. Uh, there are if you want to play a deck that plays Gaia's Cradle, there are um, ten uh, gold border Gaia's Cradles. Uh, those nice. are probably the most expensive of the gold border cards. Uh, I'd say you probably be looking to spend about seventy bucks a piece. Uh, it's it's um, better than five hundred. Yeah, no, it's definitely better than spending money on real cradles. Uh, so there's a lot of different gold border cards. Uh, and, and honestly, if you can find one of those decks, some of them also come with like full play sets of certain cards. Um, like the Brian Selden deck, especially is one that's playable right out of the box. And that's basically a recurring nightmare survival of the fittest deck. Uh, mm-hmm. and that comes with a full play set of recurring nightmare and survival of the fittest. The recurring nightmare is like super cheap in gold border. It's only like three or four bucks a piece. Um, the other one that is also kind of a problematic card, if you ever want to play a, car, a deck that has it in there, is uh, Mox Diamond. Uh, there are no oh, gold, yeah. gold border Mox Diamonds, so uh, if it's not your thing and you don't want to jump into that, don't. Uh, you don't have to. That's the thing is, like, you don't really have to. Like, it's kind of a fun format where you can just play whatever you want, uh, and so you don't really have to like follow like a meta game or something like that. You can just kind of play whatever you whatever speaks to you and whatever you kind of want to feel like you want to play. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me that there's a format out there that if I wanted to build a deck, and because the deck spoke to me, I can just build it and play it and not have to worry about oh I'm not keeping up with the meta game. Yeah, pretty much. Really? Yeah. Holy this is cow! It's great. Man, uh, imagine if they did this with other modern format you can play uh 10 land stompy in this deck in this format it's cool nice uh and of course like 10 land stompy just happens to be the best deck ever because you can play the best pitch spell that ever existed in the entire existence of pitch spells you want to know what spell that is Mm, it's late hit me with it bounty of the hunt Bounty of (laughs) it is the green force of will it's in the same cycle as force of will from alliances it has the same yeah, it sounds casting. Like an alliance. It sounds the same oh, casting, God, this except card? all it does is that it gives a creature three plus one plus one counters until end of turn. That's it. They get three <laughs> plus one plus one counters, and at the end of turn, you remove up to three plus one plus one counters from that creature. <laughs> it is literally a instant speed pitch giant growth. Oh my God! It this is, is so it awful. It is great. <laughs> It is so beautiful. Yeah, it's 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 so great. So, and, and look at this art. It's got it's, like it's amazing. It's got this 
this deer or elk. Maybe this is oak, maybe this is why we have oko because elks were hunted back yeah. then. Yeah, uh, there are some there are some cool caveats I do want to mention about um, old school and middle school especially uh, that yes. might be worth noting. Uh, if you play these formats, uh, they generally tend to use a lot of the rules too that existed around that same time. One of those big mm-hmm. rules that are shared between both formats, middle school and old school, is mana burn still exists in yes. both formats. So you do have to be like really actually pretty careful about how you tap your mana and whatnot in those formats because you, you want to you want to preserve your life total mm-hmm. uh, with mana burn. So uh, you do have to deal with that. Uh, as far as for middle school is concerned, uh, the, the other cool thing is that the judgment wish cycle, uh, so like cunning wish, burning wish, living wish, death wish, and golden wish, uh, are able to find cards in exile. Uh, or what's in your sideboard? Like they worked prior to uh, core twenty twenty or core twenty ten. What was that pre M ten? Uh, when they changed, when they introduced the exile zone in M ten, is when they changed wishes. Right. So they didn't work that way. Well, it works that way in middle school. Uh, and then the other the cool thing in middle school is uh, damage uses the stack. <laughs> oh, uh, mock fanatic probably rules in this format. Yes, then. yes, mock fanatic, uh, morphling is really cool in this format. Triskelion is really good in this format. Uh, It's, it's cool because you get to play with those kind of, yeah, those kind of combat tricks of using those cards to do that. And of course they did a really good job on the eternal central, the middle school rules webpage uh, of laying Mm -hmm. out how the combat phase works with damage on the stack. So they actually just pasted out the ruling from sixth edition yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right here. Uh, C1, ruling 3, the combat phase can be mapped, da 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 So, yeah, it, it just it does it all right there for you, so you can take a look at that. Um, yeah, and they even use London Mulligan. Yes, yeah, they do. They did adopt the current Mulligan rules. Uh, so has Old School. Old School has adopted yep. the current Mulligan rules as well. Uh, having played Old School under the London Mulligan, because uh, the uh, Star City Con event last year was basically like the first event that was held that was held underneath the London Mulligan. Uh, and they, so they wanted to try it and they wanted to use it. And they said, well, we're going to use it for all the formats that we support for Eternal Central. Uh, mm-hmm. And it actually is pretty good for those formats. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt that it, middle, London Mulligan actually feels pretty good for old school and middle school. So, Right. And, and the thing with the London Mulligan rule when you're playing these old formats that have, well, in the case of old school at least, have these really powerful cards that are like vintage power level, you both are benefiting from that, both you and your opponent. So there's none of this like, I'm playing like some homebrew and you're playing, say, like Tron and Modern, and you obviously are going to get the benefit out of a lot of Mulligan roll more than I am. But yeah, in these other formats... You know, both it's it's an asymmetrical type of effect. Yeah, and the other thing you have to, type you of have to remember too in old school is that, um, you know, the format is is has some high powered stuff, but most of it's like pretty low powered. Yeah, so like you're ramping into like you know when you're ramping into Suchi, it's not really like <laughs> that super great. Like you're you're ramping no. into a four four, and that's it. Like it's can, can I play Yoshin Soldier? Uh, I think you can. 
Nice. I think you can. Yeah, I'm sure you can. I, I was saying that more of like, is this card played? Yeah, like that, I, uh, I'm pretty sure you could play it if you could come up with a shell for it. Uh, that's the cool thing about old school, especially, is it really rewards creativity. Uh, and uh, even so, especially most of the events I've, I, I've witnessed and the event I've been to, uh, they generally tend to have all awards for uh, most creative too so they'll like give out uh stuff so that's the other cool thing about these events like both middle school and old school kind of adopt the idea that you'll get a prize but you're not getting like money you're not getting like expensive cards you're gonna get a card that was scribbled on by everybody in the event who signed their name on this card uh and you're gonna get this special card and it's gonna be an old school card that might you might play uh and so that's like the cool thing is like you can put it in your deck and then, like, you know, next event you play, you play, like, you can cast this card and go, yeah, I won this at this event. That's so cool, right? Right. And then you take a drink from your beer and, you know. Because <laughs> that's the other thing, like, about old school events is, uh, like, old school events and middle school events to an extent as well generally end up taking place with an older clientele. Uh, you're generally playing at bars uh, with your buddies, you know, that sort of thing. You know, everybody's drinking beers. Everybody's having a good time. Mm-hmm. I know a few guys who started a tradition of using really expensive cards as coasters. Not oh gonna, boy. not gonna lie, I've seen it up close. It's hilarious. <sighs> <laughs> shout out, shout out to the guys from the Hacks. Uh, I, Rich, Spoon. I, I lost five years off my life. Rich Spoonholes and uh, Jamie Estep. Jamie Estep. Uh, those guys are killer when it comes to that kind of shit. They're just, they're fantastic. So, yeah, uh, it's it's well, a cool community everything about it's super cool so and, and that's awesome and you know these formats are probably the cream of the crop in regards to your non-traditional constructed play play for nostalgia reasons older formats the things that are kind of off the beaten path that you can play casually at, at a bar with some buddies or whatever um a few other things that, that we want to look at here. I, I don't know if we're, we can get into pre-Enestrad Legacy. I don't know too much about that. But I, I can talk about what, that for a, a small bit, yeah. One, pretty, one thing that... Um, pretty new thing. Yeah, one thing that I do, and this and it kind of happened because of the nostalgia bug. Uh, it hit, hit me pretty bad like a couple years ago. Uh, is I started building... Uh, old standard decks just to have for casual play. So the Jun deck that was from Shards of Alar block through um, through Zendikar block and the core set after that, M11. So I, I built that deck, whatever cards I could think of that I played around then. I don't have my list, of course. I don't have wherever I was at that time uh, in regards to the internet. So I would build a deck like that, or the Solar Flare deck from Scars of Mirrodin uh, block through Innistrad block plus uh, M13. Or, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, M13. So I would have that deck. And that's super cool, Like, and that's what I liked, like about these kind of formats. Like, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, you know, if you have people that are interested in it, you can definitely just sit down and go, hey, I want to play, um, you know you know, pre-war, blah, 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 or I want to play this standard with my buddies. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. That's the cool thing about it. Like, you just do whatever you want. 
Exactly. And like my premise on, on doing this was, have you ever wanted to pit like the blue eye control deck from or, or Azurius control deck from RTR blocks the Theros block versus say the Jun deck from Shard to Zendikar or versus take fairies versus um M15 Red Deck Winds uh, Pro Tour deck and, and clash them together. Have just these different eras come together and just play casually. And and I, instead of using the original print in these decks, I would only use the printings that were legal within that era. So it kind of gives that, that feeling, that flavor, like looking at the art and, and everything else in regards to the deck construction. Are they exactly or like the best version of that deck? Probably not. I mean, like I don't think I have a Snapcaster Mage and a Solar Flare deck, but I could probably change that. But but still, I I went so much by oh these cards leave in standard, gotta trade them in and get some more cards. If I would have kept them, I could have still had those decks. And you know I hope that as rotation comes up here in the fall. Standard players aren't doing the same thing like, oh, can't play these cards. They're garbage now. You know, no, just keep that stuff together. So if you want to go back and play uh, like your Fires of Invention deck or whatever. Scott, I don't think that anybody's going to be nostalgic for Fires of Invention. Well, no, you're, you're right. But, <laughs> but, I don't but think but people are going to be nostalgic for 2019, 2020 Magic. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, you know, if you want to play with these decks and cards a few years down the line after they've already all rotated out of standard, you have them and then you could still brew with them in pioneer and modern and who knows, or, or you could just keep them as they are there. I played this deck. This is, I'm going to tell you my story of when I played this broken and a half deck because wizards of the coast screwed up 2019 <laughs> gather around grandkids, you know, and have those moments. But right. so but um, yeah. pre Innistrad legacy, is something that also has come up lately uh, in talking about formats that are kind of fun and interesting and different. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is something that has been, uh, I put the link to the show notes for the Pre-Anistrad Legacy Discord server. Okay. Um, so basically that's kind of popped up lately uh, online mainly. Uh, and that's something that's been spearheaded uh, primarily by one of my good friends. Uh, this guy by the name of Kalen Smith. Uh, he's uh, now one of the new co-hosts of Everyday Eternal uh, with uh, Julian Knob. Uh, he is uh, European. Uh, he goes by the name of White Faces on uh, Twitter and on Moto. Uh, he's mm -hmm. a really well-respected legacy player. Uh, and they had a couple prior to, like, pandemic and all that fun stuff. Uh, he had, they had a couple uh, events over in London, actually, uh, paper events. Uh, with this and, and basically the idea is that it is legacy uh, but it's pre Innistrad so Innistrad well it's almost like Innistrad it was never released anything past Innistrad was never released essentially so it's a closed format like old school middle school and all that kind of stuff but it's literally just legacy as it existed at that time so the stuff that you lose from you know Innistrad and stuff like that there's no Delver of Secrets in this format <laughs> At all. There are no miracles. <laughs> no miracles. Yeah, no Liliana of the Veil, no Snapcaster Mage, you know, none no of those. Abrupt decay. No Abrupt uh, No, was Abrupt Decay? Yeah, because Abrupt Decay was Return to Ravnica. That was after Anastrad. No. So, yeah. So, yeah, there's none of these cards. 
So you I'm sad. Yeah. So it's honestly, uh, it's actually pretty fun from what I've heard. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting decks uh, in the format, uh, and it's cool to see going back. Um, my buddy uh, Max Dorshan, uh, Max Gilmore, uh, was posting about the format on Twitter uh, this week because uh, he's been playing it a little bit. Uh, they had a successful like event on Magic Online, a player-run event on Magic Online with it. Cool. Uh, and he posted a couple lists that didn't actually exist at that time. And this was kind of cool, like how to go to go back and look at a format and go with more modern sensibilities and more understanding of the cards in that format and go, mm-hmm. wow, here's a deck that actually could have existed at this time but didn't actually exist. Uh, huh. And you want to take a guess what, what deck that is? Um, I'm going to guess Machine Head, because I think that's like the coolest deck name ever. No. Uh, okay. Death Shadow. Really? Yes. Death Shadow did oh. not become a legacy deck until uh, the year of the Pro Tour, the 25th anniversary Pro Tour. Oh, yeah. Nobody yeah, really he... figured it out until then. Because you had Thoughtseize. Yes. And, you had Death Shadow. You had Days. Uh, you had Force yeah, of Will. You had uh, Watery Grave. Right. Yeah. Hmm. You had all these cards. All the cards existed at this time of Legacy prior to Delver of Secrets converging all of the, the tempo builds or whatnot. All the cards existed. It was there. The whole shell was there. You could play Blue Black Death Shadow. Pretty much the entire shell. And Interesting. it never existed at that time. Nobody knew. Nobody figured it. Had figured it out at the time that this was something that you could do. I don't think Death Shadow decks, just in general, were really figured out back then. Like I think that was probably a bulk card back uh, right before Innistrad came out. Yeah, it, it's a super cool idea. I was like, man, like that's that's neat. Uh, the hmm. other one that he came up with um, that was kind of cool to see was uh, Steel Stompy existed at that time too and nobody knew it existed at that time either uh and that's the deck that plays like arcbound ravager and mm-hmm. uh, phyrexian revoker and steel overseer uh, mox opal uh etch champion uh vault scourge those cards chalice of the void uh, nice Jeet. like you, you could play uh Jite. uh you know you could play lotus petal you could play ancient tomb and city of traders these are all cards that existed at the time nobody knew this deck was there at all <laughs> and it's crazy to consider how you can go back and look at these older formats. That's what's so cool about looking at uh, old school. A lot of these guys come up with old school decks that are like, did this deck actually exist at the time? Maybe, maybe not. You know, like it's kind of, people come up with these very creative decks and these decks maybe didn't exist during that era because nobody really knew how to put the cards in that right combination to make this deck work this way. I'm pretty sure nobody at that time thought, man, if I combine Magical Hack as the card I was thinking about earlier, you know, that uh, where I change the text on my opponent's lands to say planes, and oh, then I yeah, cast yeah. Flash Freeze to blow up my opponent's planes. No, people didn't really think of that at that time. No. So, so that's the cool thing about these formats now, is getting to go back and look at those formats. Um, my good buddy, uh, Mike Noble, uh, he posted, uh, on this thread as well. He was like, man, he goes, I guess I could just play good old reliable. 
and he links a uh, legacy open finish of him finishing 12th place in 2013 on Belcher. <laughs> and wow. so he played Belcher. And literally, you look at this deck list, and there are absolutely no changes you need to make to this deck list to play it in pre, uh, pre-Innistrad Legacy. <laughs> just none. Good old Belcher. <laughs> Good old Reliable. I was just like, man, <laughs> like that's so cool. Uh, the Epic Storm is also like really super good in that form. Oh yeah. So it, it's wild. I, I I think it's crazy. It's such a cool format. I I like the idea of it. I think it's cool. I think people will um get mm. into it a little bit more as especially as if people are really upset with the state of legacy <laughs> in general. Yeah, well, you can play Stoneblade in that deck. You can. Or in you that can format. play Stoneblade. Yep. Yep. You, you can play you Jace. Mentioned Seal. Like it's cool. Like it's such a neat idea. It's, it's literally everything you could ever want to play in a format uh, that doesn't include the card Delver of Secrets. Right. <laughs> or, well, yeah, because uh, a couple episodes ago we talked about how Ikoria has changed and impacted things, um, and we haven't seen something like this since uh, since Innistrad block. Yeah. Yeah, so Delver um, did a ton, and so, yeah, I mean, like, everybody wants to play Delver, and, but, you know, at that time, you couldn't play Delver, so, like, it's cool. Yep. It's, a neat, it's a neat format. I, I really uh, would like to try and, like, look at it myself and see if I want to play around with it as well. That That is pretty interesting, and, and to kind of bring things forward, you mentioned Steel Overseer a moment ago, and, and to tie it into modern, or not modern, but standard, uh, did you know that Steel Overseer is legal and standard right now? And I bring this up because there is this card from Ikoria called the Ozolith. Yes. It's the one mana <laughs> legendary artifact. Whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, put those counters put on that the Ozolith. counters, yeah, on the Ozolith, yep. Yeah. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, if the Ozolith has counters on it, you may move all those counters... From the Ozolith on the target creature. So Steel Overseer can put counters on your artifact dudes. And if one of them happens to go away. Well now all those counters go on the Ozolith. And then you can move those counters on another creature. Uh, the card so, works really well with Modular. Yeah. Yeah. With Arcbound Ravager especially. <clears throat> works really great with Arcbound Ravager. So yeah, you, you mentioned Steel Overseer a moment ago, and I'm like, wait a minute. So I had to pull up the Ozolith, and I'm like, <laughs> can something be done in Standard? I think that card's pretty like... cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the design. That's anyway. that's, a, that's a card from Ikoria where I'm like, okay, I, I can get behind this as a card design. I think it's yeah. neat. It explores yeah. interesting uh, design space mm-hmm. yeah, without being like super powerfully pushed. And it does it cheaply. It's not something that costs like five six seven mana to play right. you can well, play they, it early and they, and they did it they did it because of the whole fact that they put like ability counters and stuff in this yeah set. yeah like you have the flying counters and the, all that kind of stuff so death touch and all that stuff yeah absolutely well joe like we we've talked about uh quite a bit we've gone into the band restricted list um and god hopefully we can stop talking about companion um, we, uh, went over some sweet, uh, formats, middle school, old school, talked about some old standard decks I have mentioned pre and Legacy. What, what, what else we got? Is there anything we're doing next week? Maybe. 
Uh, I don't know what we're doing next week uh, yet. I have okay. to kind of look and see what we want to talk about. I really don't want to talk about the state of organized play because that's yeah, me me neither. Yeah. Because like it's beat the I'll, death. I'm, yeah, I'll say this briefly. Like I I get it. There are people out there who their vocation right now is playing in big events and playing well. I get that. That's great, but. There, there's just too. There, it gets to a point on Twitter where it's like, all right, this is just too much negativity, and yeah, there are people just coming into arena. They're like, we don't know when big paper tournaments are going to happen, so we don't know when we're going to see the pro tour and paper on stream or where. So, Wizards doesn't have to do anything. I know this is me going to be speaking positive about Wizards. Hold on, uh, buckle your seatbelt. They don't have to provide an avenue for professional play during this pandemic, but they are through arena. So hopefully something will happen. Hopefully the, those coming in or being forced in to this event to play will be like, Hey wizards, can you just give me this, just, just this deck to play? They, um, they actually announced, uh, uh I don't know if you saw it or not, but they did announce that they're going to, um, give everybody, uh, stocked accounts. <sighs> I, I don't I don't like the optics of that because say if I wanted to play in that I've grinded my eyeballs out on arena to build up my collection. Well now someone who just stepped in because of, of pandemic, well now they get all the cards. And yeah, like, I think it's just for the event. They get they get they get an access to an account for the event. Okay, if it's just for the event and they already know what they're going to play, I, I, that that's fine. Not that I'm going to sign up for the event anyway, but again, Wizards doesn't have to do anything. But they are trying to provide people that I think it makes the most sense. So yeah, if it's just for the event, like day of the event, they log on, they build their deck, and it's matching what they pre-registered or whatever they're doing. Cool, but you know, I I just want to go to the store and play Magic again. I know we can't do that anytime soon. No one knows what's going on, so. Hopefully, if you are into competitive magic, enjoy whatever's going on with this event on stream, on arena. Please go to the Wizards website to get all the details. Joe and I really aren't going to talk about that much. We're going to probably continue memeing. Yeah, we're going to continue memeing about uh, Arkham's Astrolabe not being banned. Sure. Uh, I will mention, (laughs) as as a bit of a housekeeping update, uh, the week, uh, the first, not the first week of June, but the second week of June... Uh, which is uh, 6th, 7th, 8th, I think is that Monday. Uh, mm-hmm. So that week, uh, we will not be recording uh, an uh, episode that week. Uh, I will not be in uh, Ohio uh, that week, so uh, okay. I will be out of town that week. Uh, side note, uh, two weeks from then, I believe it's two weeks from then, or maybe the following week, I have to check my work calendar, okay. I will be on my yearly vacation. Okay. Uh, so I don't know what our plans are. Um, with maybe that I can, being maybe less I can wrangle a up a guest away. for when you're not here. Yeah, if, if I'm gone, maybe that can happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I will keep you abreast of what's going on. Okay. With that being less than a month away, I and us just getting this house, I doubt right. we're really going to go anywhere. Right. But uh, the optics of this is our vacation time to go do stuff together. Right. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. So my my my, my wife and I are our family. We're going to uh, Gatlinburg, uh, Pigeon Forge Sweet. area for the week. Uh, it sounds like everything's going to be pretty well opened. Uh, okay. And uh, everybody's going to be real safe. Cool, uh, cool. So far as I understand, is what I've seen uh, uh, videos of it is everybody is kind of doing the safe thing. Uh, okay. So that's cool. Uh, a lot of the places are keeping uh, are open and are, you know, really really pressed on safety. I think we're gonna spend most of our time doing Pigeon Forge stuff though. Okay. Uh, because a lot of those uh, attractions are not gonna bring large crowds. Uh, mm-hmm. In d- during this time, so like I think we're gonna do like the Titanic Museum again, uh, and stuff like that. And those are obviously places that are not gonna bring in like an insane like amount of crowds so like even when we went through it in last september and it was a pretty busy time for gatlinburg pigeon forge we went to the titanic museum and it was really not that many people there in the first place so i think the only thing we're really waiting to hear about is whether or not dollywood is going to open uh Mm. and uh, there's optics on that about whether or not they're probably going to open june 1st okay so, should be hearing something about that at some point. But I, I mean, things could change tomorrow from yeah. from the day we're recording it to. Oh yeah. I mean, this this stuff. Uh, like I know, uh, Dwine took the day off today from uh, addressing the public, uh, but tomorrow, uh, which would be the day that this podcast airs, um, he'll be speaking to the public at two two fifteen whenever he's right. on. Uh, so. Yeah, we'll just have to play it by ear and, and try and stay safe. And yeah. I hope uh, all our listeners are doing the same. Yeah. Uh, please be responsible. Please clean yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and please be safe. Uh, seriously, like, you know, um, just wash your hands, people. Yeah, I mean, we're we're. I understand people are taking this political, and 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 Joe and I are not going to do that. No. We just want everybody to be safe. Yeah. We we're we are literally all in this together. We want to play against people, um, playing magic. Uh, hanging out at stores. We want the people at the stores to be safe because without them, we can't go in and buy magic cards, play magic. So everybody is important to us. Um, so definitely do the thing. And if you don't feel comfortable going out, that's cool. Uh, I work from home. I pretty much go to the grocery store and that's it. Um, and even then, I'm kind of hesitant to go to the store because um, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I don't want to run the risk. Um, it sucks, in the mornings. but it's really easy yeah, in the mornings. Yeah, yeah, we're so. we're we're hanging in there, and uh, summer's fast approaching, and just got got my fingers crossed that things are going to happen in a forward momentum. But but we'll see. It's going to take time. All right, so I think that about wraps up uh, for this week. Uh, so this is uh, the end of episode four. I want to thank you guys for listening. If you, uh, you are listening to the podcast again, you please provide us feedback uh, and whatnot. Hopefully the audio issues uh, that we've had a little bit uh, here and there are going to be wrapped up this week. Uh, I don't know what what audio issues, Joe. Maybe, you like sound, me sound being like really Jeff low. Last week. <laughs> I mean, that was on brand for you, but I mean, I, you know. Yeah, uh, I could I couldn't listen to myself. Really, so. <laughs> so Scott, uh, tell everybody at home where you they can find you on the internet and where they can go read your stuff. You can find me on the internet uh, primarily at uh, at MTG Pack Foils on Twitter and Facebook. Those are the two platforms I use. Uh, you can read my articles every Thursday 
afternoon at legitmtg.com. And uh, you can find me over at Twitter at VolrathXP. Uh, you can also find my articles uh, This Week in Legacy uh, every Wednesday uh, on MTG Goldfish and also the Vintage 101 column every Friday on Vin- MTG Goldfish. Uh, you can also reach the cast at the Astrolab cast on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also reach us at by email at the Astrolab podcast at gmail.com. Uh, again, uh, please uh, let us know what you guys feel about the cast uh, so far uh, and also just any feedback you guys might have uh, on whatnot. Uh, I also want to uh, shout out uh, Josh Lee for wanting to come onto the podcast. So um, I'm assuming we will probably do guests at some point. Uh, and, uh, I would like to have him on cause that'd be kind of fun. I, I like Josh quite a bit. And so, cool. uh, will be interesting to have him on. He can proselytize about, uh, the, uh, loving nature of snow covered mountains and cough of the hammer. To everybody. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I just said and, loving nature of cough of the hammer and I feel really weird <clears throat> about that, but I don't really care. <laughs> every magic community has a scred red player. That is a known fact. <laughs> yeah, a Blood Moon fanatic, and we all yes. care, we all like Blood Moon here because we're we're playing Snow Basics anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> Blood Moon's okay. So it, it's fine. So it's back to basics. Back to basics is totally fine. Yes, absolutely. It should cost Rainbow Mana though, because you know four <laughs> five colors no deck. Oh, don't give wizards ideas for a future standard card. <laughs> Rainbow colored back to basics. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh man, it's so funny. But, but anyway, thank thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it. We're we're still trying to get the timing down uh, for the show. Um, we're we're trying to be ourselves, uh, as you can see with the length of this show. Um, <laughs> we really do like being ourselves. So be patient with us. We're we're going to get our footing. But thank you for listening to us in the early days. And please share this with your friends. Uh, yes, we are a Magic Gathering podcast, but we we want to be our own and different. So if you enjoy it. Cool. Let people know. We do appreciate that. And remember, as always, please don't ban us. Well, and legacy and modern. And and standard, because why not? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take it easy, folks. Have a great night. Good night.